Hey everyone, it's David. Just jumping in here before the episode, just to explain an anomaly that you're going to hear in this episode. Eric and I were having a fantastic conversation, kicking off our first episode of 2024. And then, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 minutes in, either he or I or the software we were using to record had a glitch and uh, kicked Eric out. And so you're going to hear us having a great conversation, and then I'm suddenly the only one recording the podcast, and then finishing it up with a monologue. So um, that's what we've got. We'll do better next time, but I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Emerge Dynamics. Emerge Dynamics. The podcast for those who manage and invest in middle market private companies across the globe. globe. We're telling the stories of the unsung champions who take enormous risks every day to weave the fabric of our societies. Those who collectively, from the multi-trillion dollar largest market on the planet, we're diving into the dynamics of what makes some of them emerge from their peers and create incredible returns and impact on their communities. This is Emerge Dynamics. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the first episode of the Emerge Dynamics podcast in 2024. Eric, we're back. Happy New Year, David. Happy New Year to you. Happy 2024. Yes, we're going to make it a good one, despite what (laughs) others in the economy say or try to make it be. We're going to make it a good one. We haven't recorded in a while, folks. Eric and I have been very busy with some fun projects, which we'll share more about in the near future, but they've been keeping us pretty busy. Despite that, though, Eric, I I hope you can join me in this. I haven't said this to you yet, but I have a New Year's resolution to record more (laughs) than we did in the the last couple of months. I guess it's mine as well. There you go. You you just got roped into mine. (laughs) Either that or you're going to be... you know, flying solo, but I don't think that's the case. It's, uh, well, it's not nearly as entertaining without you, uh, as we heard from uh, <laughs> some listeners. I try recently. to be that color analyst if I can. Yes. So, folks, we want to talk today about, we have a new year unfolding in front of us, and oh my goodness, volatility is still there. It's continuing. It's, it's probably getting larger, and uncertainty. And so, really yep. want to talk about One of the most important things for a business owner or manager of a private company, that's what our podcast is all about for anyone new joining us this year. What are the most important things those people need to consider in 2024? There's certainly a lot of mixed signals, let's say, there seems to be. You're so right that I can look at credible voices who think the pain is all in the past and everything is coming up roses in 2024. And I can also look at credible voices who think the pain is just beginning. Yeah, It's really difficult yeah. to know which one is going to be the, one of those is going to be the reality. You're somewhere in between in 2024. It's really difficult to know how it will all unfold. Well, and as you throw in the global conflict issue that's out there that can always throw a, a wrench in any kind of planning and you just never know. So folks, what what we want to do is maybe just talk about, we'll give a few examples here in just a second, but there are definitely storm clouds still out there. I hope that the pain is all in the past, that 2023 is in the past and everything comes up roses in 2024. What What I want to caution against is don't just hear that and then stop thinking about the storm clouds and just go into 2024 naively because there are definitely still storm clouds out there. Will they materialize? Will the innovation of the market trump these storm clouds? Don't know. 
We'll find out. Let's talk about a few things that are out there that we should keep watching. One, Eric, is FedEx just made an announcement just a couple of weeks ago, I guess a week and a half ago. Yeah, in December. Yeah, that's right. And they announced that they believe that 2024 for them will be slower than 2023. And so that is a pretty interesting leading indicator into the whole. And by the way, their stock price dropped almost instantly. So did UPS's, even though UPS didn't make this announcement. And subsequently, I guess Amazon stock held up through Christmas, but then it fell right at the end of the year as well. Not by drastic amounts, but by meaningful amounts. Why is this maybe more meaningful than another company announcing that they think 2024 will be slower than 2023? I don't know what percentage between FedEx, UPS, and Amazon is percentage of goods or moves through those channels. But suffice it to say, it's it's probably a large number. Right. Yeah. And so FedEx and UPS move almost everyone else's stuff. So when they say things are going to be slower, that's maybe an indication that it's not just slower for them. It might be slower for everyone. Yeah. So it's not gospel. It's not written in stone, but it is certainly a leading indicator we should be paying attention to when we hear something like that. Another big thing out there that, and we'll put a link, we'll put a link to the, I mean, anyone can look up the FedEx stock. I'll put a link and uh, Business Insider has a recent article. This article came out, this is maybe in August, but there's other things that are more recent coming out. But regardless, what they're saying is still accurate for 2024. And I'm sure that the majority of that was not short-term debt that's already been priced up in the current interest rate environment. Probably this is going to be renewals at much higher interest rates. Right. Uh, so that's going to put pressure on corporate profits. It's going to put pressure on what companies are able to do as as far as investing in new projects, things of that nature. Right, exactly. And, and in fact, the amount is $790 billion dollars. With a with B. B. That's right. With, thanks for clarifying in case I did not enunciate <laughs> so well. That is a big number. And folks, so, I mean, someone knows, I don't know, Eric doesn't know, but someone knows at what rate this debt is now. But I mean, it's likely going to be more than double when it has to roll over and get refinanced. So you've got $790 billion out there in the economy that's going to be twice as expensive in 2024 that can't not have an impact. Now, what impact will it have? Does it mean the sky is going to fall? Maybe, maybe not, but it will have an impact, right? Some kind of way. Yeah. So again, something we need to be watching here as, as 2024. Yeah, and, and typically what, what happens <clears throat> in that situation, David, is some of the repayments, you're not able to fully and completely refinance or you refinance and some of the companies start having issues with repayments that impacts banks' ability to lend. So you've got all of those things that can have reverberations through the economy. You just don't know, you know, and you don't know if that's going to be, as you said, overcome by other positive moves that are happening, technological advances, things of that nature. So it's just uh, those things, hey, caution flag, just to know we're not totally out of the woods. And, And folks, you know, Eric and I will continue to keep an eye on these as January unfolds. We could keep diving in. There's more and more things to talk about. Consumer sentiment, another one we'll link to. Consumer sentiment remains stubbornly low. But again, what's the conclusion here? 
is it going to be an amazing year? Is it going to be a terrible year? We don't know. If we did, I'd be busy not recording this podcast, but parking my money somewhere and investing somewhere. But it does mean, I think the conclusion is, let's keep watching. Let's not naively go into 2024 thinking everything's rosy. And uh, let's also maybe not think the sky is falling so much that we paralyze ourselves and can't run our businesses. Let's let's go in with a yeah. There's, there's another one, David, that just popped in my head while we were talking. Was wages? I know there's been some recent articles. I think twenty plus states have recently raised their minimum wage, and and I think uh, everybody would agree that there's definitely some some wage pressure that's going on out there. So maybe we can get some links out there yes. uh, around current wage environment. Oh, Eric, and you, I think you just gave us an idea for another episode there. Minimum wage. That's a good one. Oh, the the economist economist in me can go to town on that one. So, uh, (laughs) folks, expect that one to come up soon. Yes. 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 (laughs) Well, Eric, this is a great dovetail from our current events portion of our podcast, which we're which we've been enjoying doing lately into maybe the more, um, I guess, practical guidance portion of our podcast. Let's take this information about, hey, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world. There, you know, We've talked so much about scenario planning in the past, the importance of laying out realistic scenarios. It's maybe more difficult than ever to know which one of these scenarios will materialize. And so the topic we want to talk about today is, well, how do you plan? Right? So many yeah. companies yeah. think about planning for the future. They think about an annual plan. Well, how do you do it when you don't know what's going to happen? Yeah, or we, we typically, we say, okay, here's our plan, and okay, we're six months into it. We're, we're not close to the plan, but this is our plan. Yeah. <laughs> the need for dynamism in, in that planning process and marrying the current events and the things that are regularly changing to our, our forecasting models and everything is very, very important, probably more important now than, than ever, because it's, it's just, there's so many moving parts now that impact businesses. So let's let's talk about that. Let's unpack that a little bit, David, is, is how do we keep our business planning and, and, and forecasting dynamic? Yeah, and so, well, here's some ideas, and I wanna share just one more example too before we go into those ideas, because this is something that, I mean, I've experienced personally in the last year with an organization I've been working pretty closely with. The organization spent a lot of time in late 2022, and they've done this the last couple of years, I mean, a lot of time, as in probably 10, 15 people committing almost three to four weeks of their time spread out over three months toward the end of 2022 to plan out 2023. And to any analytical person, the deliverable from this this process was beautiful. Targets for every salesperson, every department, right, rolled up by geography, by functional area, rolled up to a high-level forecast of income statement and balance sheet for the company by month throughout the year of 2023, right? So much work went into it. And by March or April of 2023, the entire thing was moot because the world was unfolding in a way that was so different in this company's industry, especially. So I think many people listen to this and say, yeah, I can relate. Others can say, wait, what was so crazy about 2023? It depends on your industry. <laughs> but definitely there were industries in 2023 that uh, had some challenges. This whole thing was moot. So like Eric, to your point is like, okay, 
how do we do this? Because now you've got all these this these wasted resources effectively that you, you put so much time in, but for something you're you're trying to plan in November and December of one year, November and December, so it's 12, 13 months out, what's going to happen? And you're trying to tie your capital expenditures to that, you're trying to tie your financial plan to that, your budgets to that. And we know quite likely in 2024, even more than 2023, it may be that the world is a completely different place two, three months from now than it is today. And this written in stone plan suddenly is just of no value. So maybe I didn't answer your question, Eric. I just maybe reiterate the problem. But certainly, you know, we need a solution here. And so we've got a couple ideas we can throw out. But I mean, the, the thing is, I think part of this is recognizing that this is a challenge recognizing that if I'm planning now for something 9, 10, 12 months from now, that it's low fidelity as far as its accuracy. This is going to be something that, you know, what, I, what I've seen a lot of organizations do, I've encouraged organizations to do is still plan the 12 months, but make it a rolling 12 months or make it a quarterly refresh so that, uh, and, and maybe don't put as much deep like don't consume your entire organization for a month to roll out what's going to happen in the next 12 months because that's just wasted time. Find the right balance of how much effort do you need now to reasonably plan and set targets for the next year, but make sure you're allocating, I guess, in your resource availability, a reasonable amount that you can now recommit your team maybe every quarter to a mini session to say, what's happened in the last three months? Let's incorporate how the world is changing, how it's evolving. Let's incorporate this now into our next 12 months. And so it becomes more of a constantly evolving process that tries to keep better pace up with the changes in the world there. So this also really begs a question of how do we reward our people? The traditional model that has worked for you know, decades in corporate America has been make a plan for a year, tie budgets, drill these down to individual salesperson budgets, and then reward people for hitting these budgets. We'll link to an article from Harvard Business Review. It's not a really recent article, but I think it's still very, very applicable. The article is called Corporate Budgeting is Broken. Let's fix it. And one of the big recommendations in this article, so it talks about a typical corporate reward system is like set a budget and set a budget target maybe for your salespeople. You know, maybe salesperson A has to hit a million dollars of sales in 2024. And then a lot of companies, what they'll do is they'll they'll say, okay, you have to get to at least 80% of your target. And if you do, we'll give you some kind of reward for at least getting in range of your target. And then once you get to maybe 120% of your target, there's some kind of cap. So you're, you're really, if you can get within 80 to 120% of your target, you know, we're going to reward you pretty well. And then anything below that or above that, maybe the reward is less or, or not even there, right? You've already been rewarded if you're above the 120. If you're lower than the 80, you're so far off, you get nothing. That is a problem in the eyes of the author of this article. And what they claim is that this is just ripe for manipulation. You're almost asking your salespeople to game the system. Well, how's that? 
And, and I've seen this play out recently, actually, in organizations with you know hundreds of salespeople. And that when people, let's assume for now that the world doesn't change drastically and this target is even still a realistic one. When someone gets to 118, 19, 20% of their budget, right? They've exceeded their budget. They can push a little harder and maybe get to 130% in the year, but they're not going to get the extra reward for pushing harder. Any human being, all human beings respond to incentives. They respond to incentives. Uh, even human beings full of integrity and honesty still respond to incentives. And you've just given them a whole lot of incentive to dial back their effort maybe don't push their customers as hard in December or the, or for the rest of this month because they've already hit their 120% and instead work with that customer and get that sale next month or next year or whenever this budget cap resets, whatever you've put in place at your company, right? You've, you've just given them incredible incentive to game the system. Same thing on the low end. If somebody can't make it into the 80% range for whatever reason, they're at 70% and they've just realized they're not going to get there. They don't have a whole lot of incentive to get from 70% of the budget to 78% of the budget because these are sales. If they could push and squeeze these sales out in this time period, they don't get rewarded for them. They'd much rather work with their customers to get those sales into the next time period so that they can now get credit toward a fighting chance at getting to their budget the next month, right? So it's a constant gaming of the system. So this is something that, and and this is all saying that the budget target stays realistic. If you've got a 2023 that unfolds for a lot of industries, as they did, a lot of budget targets a few months into the year weren't even realistic anymore, right? And now you're playing a game of what is realistic. And so I think this author's recommendations in corporate budgeting is broken, let's let's fix it, are so important. And, And the recommendation is get the kinks out, right? Make a linear compensation curve that can take your compensation and just reward people for what they do. Obviously, you can't reward them for losing money, but as long as they're making money, as long as they're in, in any way improving your company, whether they hit 60% of budget or 200% of a budget, continue to reward them. And by doing that, you remove their, their incentive to game the system. Now, this is a lot harder to implement that I'm saying, this is even if you're fully on board with what this article is saying, you should read it, incorporate and use it as an, a bit of information in deciding what's best for your organization. Don't take any article and use it as absolute truth for what is best for your organization. But I highly recommend take this article and use it as a strong input into what's best for your organization. And then keep in mind, too, that as the year unfolds, you've got to constantly be refreshing. And so if you're constantly refreshing because the world is changing on you, it's going to be much easier to do if you don't have people financially focused on a specific number, but rather just financially focused on doing the best they can in any environment. So folks, we'll leave you with that. We heard at the beginning of the episode some current events that say, hey, there's some storm clouds out there hopefully innovation and the resilience of the American market uh, trumps these storm clouds, but we need to watch them. We don't know what's going to happen in 2024. So let's plan. Let's plan dynamically. Let's plan 
by not making a one-year plan and just sticking to it at all costs as the year unfolds. Let's put in some kind of culture or rhythm in our organization where we can revisit our 12-month plan, either monthly or quarterly, and constantly refresh it, have it roll. And then take a hard look at how you're compensating people for that plan. If you're going to reward people for hitting the plan or not the plan, you're giving them so much incentive to game the system. You're also giving them so much incentive to pack the creation of the incentive in the first place. When you go to them and you ask them, what can you realistically do in 2024? Because we're going to set a budget around this. You have given them so much incentive to just sack their numbers because they want to hit the budget. So they're not going to tell you what they can ambitiously do. They're going to tell you what they can conservatively do because they want to make sure they hit the budget and they want to make sure they get their reward for hitting the budget, right? So you're really, really restricting your organization, especially in a year where there could be a lot of volatility. So folks, I hope that helps you. Take this to your board, your advisory team, your management team. Please use our voices as an input into what you're going to be doing and planning this year. Don't ever use us as the only one, although I think we're a good one. But with that, we're going to sign off here and hope you have a great 2024.